When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. La 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 Inner Wealth Podcast La 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 Inner Wealth Podcast La 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 Inner Wealth Podcast You know what day it is Inner Wealth Podcast Meditate and give So manifest the greater this And things all good Cause I say it is Investing in inner wealth Real generational wealth Is mental health it's an inside game, no toxicity. Let's talk and more listening. Ladies and gentlemen, and now introducing David McCullough, founder of Inception, the first mental health gym. La 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 la. Inner wealth podcast. La 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 la. Inner wealth podcast. La 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 la. Inner wealth podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Inner Wealth Podcast. I got a very special guest in the building. I got my girl Dejanae in here. Hello, hello. What up, though? As what's we up? say, what Cleveland? What does Cleveland say? What they ain't got a type what, of slang. What's up, hey? That's it. Yeah. Y'all ain't got nothing special. Nothing special. Bone nothing. thugs ain't no. come up with nothing that was like. Yeah. <laughs> I wish no. Chilling on East Nineteen Ninety Nine. Nothing, huh? Nothing, nothing. Man, so listen, we um, I I spent probably about uh, probably the time I was eighteen, nineteen to about. Maybe 24, 25 in corporate America, working and, you know, seeing kind of like the transition from going, you know, from where you where I grew up from to like working in a cor- corporate environment was a big transition, basically Absolutely. what I'm saying. And uh, specifically for a man of color. Um, and so I know you're a... You've been a corporate working woman for some years, and um, we're going to discuss, like, the the components that come from being a minority working in a corporate space and how that affects you mentally, emotionally, and even how that affects you financially because you see things. Um, you see people who don't look like you move up faster than you even though you uh, you may be more credentialed and more skilled. So let's let's talk about that. 
Let's do it. So I have been in corporate America now for seven years, the bulk of my career. And I started off in the construction management industry and then migrated into the architecture and engineering interior design industry. Mm. And one of the things that I immediately noticed is that every room I went in, I was the only person of color. And so growing up in an environment that was more diverse, it definitely wasn't completely uncomfortable for me because I was used to that. Um, But it was a transition for me to kind of have to adopt to that. And then also, you know, as you mentioned, as you start to go along the course of your career and you see people move up, I was personally of the notion that I had to go into every room or every situation or work environment and be 10 times better than anybody else to get half of the respect. Mm. And so I really spent the bulk of the beginning of my career just totally going hard in the paint, um, working as hard as I could and and seeing that there was a disparity and a, and a different dynamic when it came to people of color being able to move up. I also noticed that I had to really explain who I was as a person. And I found myself initially altering who I was or my norm to fit in to that corporate standard. Mm. And so the corporate standard was, you know, very stern. You have to wear your hair a certain way. They expect you to be presented a certain way. And so I started to naturally fold into that dynamic because it made me more comfortable. Mm. So I noticed that every day I'm waking up, I'm doing my makeup. I'm straightening my hair. Well, I, I noticed something too. When you, when I first met you, I've known you for a few years now, more than a few years, probably about three years now. Yeah. And uh, your, na- your name is Dejanay. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> let's let's that's, talk that's, about that's that. Let's start there. Okay. <laughs> Dejanay. And then when I was like, well, send me your email. And then you send me your email, it was like D. White. And I was like, who is D? Because, like, even saying, when I call, people say, this is D. I like, I just try to tell people, this is Dejanay. Yeah. I don't want to have to, like, abbreviate your name because then people got to go, oh, Dejanay. But you had to do that. So what, what was that about? Oh, my gosh. So that is a phenomenal question. Um, so I noticed that going into the corporate setting, number one, my name is Dejanay, like you mentioned. And all throughout school and growing up, it's hard for people to pronounce. It's different. And so when I went into the corporate setting, I noticed that I'm submitting my resume all over. I know I'm qualified. I know I have the experience and I can't even get a call back. And so just for shits and giggles, I changed it from Dejanay to D and I'm immediately getting calls, follow-ups and everything. Another uh, kind of caveat to that. At one point, because I'm in the marketing space, we are creatives. And so I had my headshot on my resume, like Mm. a professional headshot. And I had a black colleague of mine, someone that was more so like a mentor. And she said, you should take that headshot off. And I understood the place that she was coming from. But I was so offended that I would have to remove an image of my face in order to have a better opportunity or chance to get a job opportunity or get a call back. And so I ended up adopting that name D because it made things easier for me. It helped me navigate smoother. 
I didn't have to spend five seconds every time going through the entire, oh, well, what, what does it stand for? And it's nice or I can't pronounce it. And it just made life easier for me. And I remember being at a conference and running into a colleague, someone older than I was successful. And he goes, your name is Dejanay and you need to make them respect that. So you're doing yourself an injustice by going by D or by shortening who you are. And so it was a very eye-opening moment for myself where I had to do some more internal digging and say, why are you more comfortable with changing who you are to be accepted instead of embracing who you really are and where you come from? Mm -hmm. So did that make you actually start using your name as Dejanay as it? As it's spelled, for sure, it definitely. <laughs> and then, well, you already got the job too. They're yeah, about to fire you, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you got the job but. exactly. So uh, it, it's kind of like a, a both. My entire career has been D, and so I'm still in that process of training myself to not go by D or even introduce myself by that. So it's mm. still a process for me to kind of get out of that. Hey, other cultures do it all the time too, though. Yeah. You know, when you're uh, Indian or uh, I've seen Chinese because I work with some people abroad, and they'll say their name is Sam. Right, and you're like, your name, come like, on now. Yeah. Sam or Amy, Amy, Amy Wan. Right. Amy, I used to buy my shoes from Amy Wan. I used to buy all my Jordans. <laughs> uh, I, used to, I was doing dropship. Well, I wasn't doing dropship. I was buying bulk orders of Jordans. Yeah. Amy Wan was the, the the person I talked to, and I'm like, Amy, what's your real name? Right. She, she put it what it was. I was like Amy. <laughs> it's Amy. So, but you know, the thing is, do we even know how that really affects us mentally? That we have to make these micro adjustments to kind of fit in. Right. You know, you kind of, because really what you're saying is that you're, who I am is not fully accepted. And, but here's the other flip side to it too. See, if you work in black, black America, mm-hmm. then it wouldn't be an issue, right? right? But you don't work in black America. You work in corporate America and corporate America is mainly white. Absolutely. Now, can I be mad about how the, the rules and regulations that they want to press upon us to be able to work in their situation. Right. Should I be mad? Right. Like, when I think about it, like, as as I was younger, yeah, I got frustrated with certain things that I saw. Like, and let's be honest, too. I think one job that I first got when I came out of um, this technical school was um, at Link Networks. Okay. And so they hired me. And I don't know. I started thinking about years later, they probably hired me because I was lighter skinned. Mm. Lighter skin guy. Yeah. Because, cause, you know, they're going to hire you based on are you going to cause issues? Right. Are you going to be a problem? Not just about your skill set, about everything else. Absolutely. You know, so when you're lighter, you, you, yeah, you're gonna, you, you get a little bit more of a pass. It's yeah. just the reality and nature of the game. And I've never been afraid to kind of uh, admit to that. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a really great point. So when I first started out in my career, the gentleman that I worked for was in corporate America and did business in corporate America, but he was a, a African-American man. Mm-hmm. And I came into the office really showing my personality. So I, and not in a way that was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So I would maybe wear a blouse that was a bright color or had a floral pattern, or there would be times where I would wear a red lip. And he literally pulled me to the side one day and said, you are bringing too much attention to yourself because of the color. You need to wear black. 
you need to water this down. And so I started coming into the office looking like a grandma. Now, nice. and my thing is, it's one thing if it's inappropriate for corporate, but I am wearing professional clothes. You see women wear a red lip all the time. And so even as a black man, he was changing uh, how he felt I needed to represent myself. And then two, throughout the years, I have so many very interesting examples of situations that I've encountered where you really have a rift when it comes to your identity and who you are. Mm. And so I will never forget there was a time where I was in a diversity training. And as a part of that training, the gentleman was very clear in saying, this is an open and safe space for you to ask whatever you want to ask and communicate it in an environment that is open. Mm. And during that entire training, no one asked any questions. Everybody was like uptight and nervous and scared to say how they really felt. The week after, I personally faced so many microaggressions. It was ridiculous. So I had a lady who came up to me and she's, she goes, I know in that training they said, you know, don't ask or to try to touch a, a, a person of color's hair, but I really want to feel your hair. Can I touch your hair? And before I could even respond, she was like petting my, my curls. Mm. I had another situation where... Uh, a Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Gentleman goes, yeah, you know, I just don't understand what you guys would like to be called. You know, back in the day, it was Negro and, and colored, and, and my granddaughter is black, and I just don't know. And in my mind, number one, we're in a meeting, so we're not in that diversity space anymore. So mm -hmm. the comment is completely out of line and inappropriate. But um, I'm thinking to myself, how about a human being, for starters? Let's start there, because I don't think anybody, you know, no matter what race or color wants to be identified as anything other first, primarily as a human being. Right. Uh, and I had a, so many situations that were like that. And I found myself so frustrated. I remember we were working on a project one time that was in a diverse community and I put together a proposal and some of my colleagues, they go, you know, this is great, but, there's so many white people on this proposal, and this is going to an urban community, so let's mm. change that. And somebody just blurted out, oh, well, we just take a selfie of you and slap that on there. And I'm mm. like, are you kidding me right yeah. now? So it's like, but it was coming from a place, uh, somewhat of a place of understanding, because they knew how can we go into a diverse community or an urban community and not let our work look diverse to make them feel comfortable so mm. they definitely were maybe in the right mindset initially of how they wanted to communicate that but it was the way in which they you know went about it that caused the microaggression mm -hmm. and that's happened to me time and time again what's a microaggression uh, what does that mean so what is a, what you know because i've heard it before yeah. well, a microaggression like 
What is a microaggression? Yeah, so, I mean, by definition, it is, you know, when you are inflicting a certain uh, emotion or thought in a way that is not open or welcoming. So instead of That's me, called passive aggressive. Okay. You know, now they, they again, like we're talking about, they, they'll, they'll, you know, we'll keep making more. We talked about this, right? You got yeah. entrepreneurial fatigue. You got right. it's compassion a, it's a, fatigue. Mm-hmm. You got, um burnout uh you, yeah. you got all these different words and different ways to try to just say i'm stressed out or i got trauma right like no it's the same thing so yeah. when you say microaggression i'm like no you're dealing with you're dealing Something with offensive a, you're dealing with a threat mm-hmm. because m- that passive aggressiveness is really like that person is really aggressive it's not even passive aggressive it's aggression right you know right it's aggression and you can feel that and you can feel when you're walking into a uh, um, a business. I, rem- I remember this one guy that was at the company that I work with. And it was two black guys that worked there with me. And they were more like in sales roles. I was in more of a techno- technological role. But it's funny how like when you saw them, where I saw them, I immediately kind of gravitated to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I gravitated to them. And I remember one of them saying a remark about, you know, being black or something. I'm just like, damn, he get it. Like, you know, it's like we feel like we're on the island unto ourselves within this this thing. We really hear, we hear, but if they didn't have certain rules in place, would we be here? Right. And, and sometimes we put ourselves in those boxes, too. So I remember being in middle school and high school where it was most prevalent. And I went to a suburban school. There was a big Indian population, a big Mm -hmm. Asian population. And so it was definitely more diverse than most schools. Mm -hmm. And I had a variety of different friends. I had all types of different friends. And so once we would go to lunch, all the black kids sat at the same table. And I sat with my group of friends and my group of friends were diverse. They were from all different races, backgrounds, everything. And I remember I would walk past that table where all the black kids sat. Nobody told them they had to sit there. Mm -hmm. And they would make fun of me, call me names, call me Oreo. And so within our people will call you Oreo. Yes. So within Mm -hmm. my own race, you know, the black kids bullied me the most. And, you know, as time went on, I found myself once I got to high school, transitioning out of this space of I'm going to be friends with who I want to be friends with and I'm mm-hmm. going to like people for who they are and I don't care what people think to going from middle school now into high school and now I'm changing how I'm dressing and I'm doing things because I want to be accepted now by these mm-hmm. black kids. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until my dad pulled me aside like, this is not you. If it was you, then I have no quarrels with it. But stay true to who you are, no matter what. And so you find these types of disparities amongst people that are different from you and also with with people who are, you know, of the same background as you as well. Mm. Have you have you thought about, um, you know, as being older and looking back on those experiences in, in childhood and in, 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 in corporate America, have you looked and, and saw how that affected you? Like to this to this day, 
yeah. you know, like because some of those could be I won't call it traumas because everybody's overblowing uh, the word trauma. Trauma is anything that happens too soon, too fast, too sudden. I mean, that's when you like you're spiked, you're really going mm-hmm. into protection. But but at the same time, there's a such thing as called uh, soft traumas. And soft traumas when there's demeaning, regular demeaning remarks and things like that just something that. You know you're going to school and you're not in a safe place, right? right? So you gotta. So if I if I go into the school and I know I'm not in a safe place consciously, my body is going to start to respond to that lack of safety that I that I feel. So have you? Because I, I hated school and I I, I had some very uh, stressful trauma <laughs> field ex- events that stem from uh, preschool, mm-hmm. middle school. You know that's where a lot of trauma that a lot of people get you know they don't understand that it's coming from um that even in quote-unquote safe places that that seems safe because of the teacher or whatever like no like you could still be experiencing massive stress and trauma right absolutely and i think even to this day i am in the constant cycle of number one being conscious of how I am reacting or behaving in certain situations. And it's kind of like a self-check. So, Mm -hmm. for example, I will talk to you, and this is my normal talking voice, but then I may get on the phone with my girlfriend, and it's a totally different type of dialect. And then I may go around a different group of people, and now I'm talking, like, super proper like this. And, like, mm. so we find ourselves <laughs> right. constantly yeah, so, um, Exactly. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like this toss-up. Like, are you just not being true to who you are and really trying to make yourself more approachable in that space or do we naturally try to kind of alter things based on the situation you know yeah, i mean yeah everything is not like like oh you're trying to fit in it's right. some something is rapport absolutely i'm building rapport but in building rapport it, it's like them those movies back in the day when a black guy meets a white guy and the white guy come yo 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 yeah. what what up <laughs> exactly. like like that that's like yeah. why are you talking like that right. so you know that's that's one of them things but I'm in uh, the Spanish community uh, with, with, with uh, salsa and everything and I yeah ya tu sabes like yeah I like speak speak but yeah. I but I know. I'm not trying to one be offensive. I'm not just trying to fit in. That is a that is Spanish dialect. Right. With us is not like you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. a little different. Yeah. It's a little different with us. But um but I think we do try to we try to um build rapport and right. some of it is trying to fit in. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a fine line, I think, to it though. Absolutely. And I really commend the companies, especially in corporate America, that are taking a different approach because they realize the status quo is not working. So Name I, one. So I worked okay. <laughs> for a company, <laughs> and it was within the same industry I've always been in, which has been mm-hmm. a very corporate, predominantly white industry. Mm-hmm. And the company, I was, I come in, you know, I'm got my business Barbie mode on, and I get inside, and there's a gentleman walking by. He has a huge mohawk. I see other people. They have piercings, crazy mm. colored hair, tattoos, and it gave me, like, a breath of fresh air where I realized, like, okay, these people are able to express themselves and also still be taken seriously. But were as, they white? They were. 
So work. then it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you, you, you've been always they able work. to do what you want to do, though. Right. You've always been able to do what you want to do. Now, if you told me there's some sisters in there with afros and mm. wearing their hair however they wanted to, but two, I do, I do think, I don't know, like as a, as a corporation, like there has to be like a standard, you know? Yeah. Um, like, you know, obviously, you know, I have a company and, um, they Tattoos, whatever, that, that's fine. Your right. piercings, but just look clean. Profe- still professional. And of what, but what is professional? Let's let's even yeah. go there because because yeah. what is that? Right. So and what does that even come from? That comes right. from a, like did you did you see a chart that said this is professional? Mm-hmm. So that chart looks like for me as a man going in as a, a certain tie, right. you know. Um, khakis pants or whatever or nice dress slacks nice shoes um it's fitting that model right but what what is that from your standpoint yeah so i the same thing you know we've been customized or you know what i mean to to know or think and feel that you have to dress a certain way or look a certain way and i think for me personally professionalism is you know, dressing or presenting yourself according to what you're doing. So, for example, I may go on vacation and I have a cute little tiny bikini on, but that's not necessarily the time and place for me to wear that same type of attire Mm. in a corporate type of environment. So it's, I think for me, having that balance of what is appropriate and not appropriate. And then two, you know, people will argue, I should be able to wear whatever I want and a person should, you know, still respect me as such. And so, you know, you might have a woman who may come in and they have a blouse and it's, it's low cut and they have cleavage. And so they might say, I should be able to wear that. You can, and I agree with you. However, just know that that will still come with stereotypes. And that's not to say that you shouldn't still own it and do as you please, but just know how you present yourself, it will come with the territory and be mm. willing to acknowledge that and you can choose to dismiss it or 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 not, you know? Yeah. So it's looking just, at the data probably be very important, like in terms mm-hmm. of like um you, again, when you come into a corporation or whatever you're trying to do, what is what is the outcome, what is the goal and what is the intention? And right. if you come into a situation and, and, and you're coming into a situation and your intention is to come in and help us get to here to here, um, but when you do so, how you're dressed takes the attention off the right. outcomes that you're looking for to the point where now everybody you're working with, their their uh, vision and, and thoughts is not on this, the outcome either. It's just on what you got on and every day you come in and people can't get their work done because mm-hmm. of, it's all little things, you know, that, that, that happens like that. But, um, it's a, it's, again, it's kind of like fine line. And I think yeah. that we're going to a time period where a lot of these ideals have to be torn down and then reestablished about, well, what is that? Absolutely. And it's happening with relationships too. You know, the the whole traditional Single man, single woman. Now you, mm-hmm. and it's not like it's new. It's not like poly and all these other yeah. things are new. They're not new. They're just now more. Um, people are living their lives how they really want to live now. Right, right. Um, and two, with the influencer model or the social media model, where people can like, can kind of when you make money and you make a lot of it, you really get to be yourself. Right. I saw. Let me read this. I saw this too. It made me think about it, but. Uh, it's a, it's a meme I just saw. It said, um, 
I need to be successful so I can behave the way I want and be considered eccentric instead of insane. Mm. So when you when you get to a certain place, like Steve Jobs can wear, you know, a black turtleneck and jeans every day. Right. But in traditional corporate America, they jeans is not even a thing, right? right? right. So, but again, it's like we have to get to a place where we understand yeah we can do what we want but at the same time you got to understand how doing what you want how it the outcome of doing what you want what that looks like right you and know I, I think it's about uh having a just setting up boundaries and what i mean mm. by that is this is never going to be a black and white type of thing there's always going to be a gray area um so you know we, I, I do agree with you completely that we have to kind of tear down a lot of these standards so that change can happen. But within that change, if there aren't certain standards, then now you have chaos. Mm. So, for example, I may want to attend an event or something like that that is more outward or, or just more, let's just say I, I want to go to something that is uh, more appropriate for adults. You know what I mean? Like there's a standard and norm there that certain things are for children, certain things are for adults, and you don't really cross those lines in a way that is inappropriate. So mm. I think the same applies to kind of the corporate setting and things like that where self-expression is phenomenal and great, but just have a level of discernment to know the time and place for everything. Right. You know? How is a uh, corporate starting to... In your seven years and and, and and being there and you seeing um, the mental health starts to rise up in terms of like the conversation, what did you see internally? Like what what was their mindset on on the the new the new um, topic of mental health, even though it's not new? But what was that for them? So when the uh, I think prior to the pandemic. There was this mentality in the corporate world where you just continue to you're on that hamster wheel mm. where you are showing up, you're leaving, you are constantly in that cycle of do, 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 do. And I was afforded the opportunity to be at a company um, in the ladder of my career where it was more flexible and open and it wasn't necessarily like where you feel this pressure to I have to sit in front of this computer and focus and get this done where you could kind of do things as you please as long as you met deadlines mm. when the pandemic hit everything stopped in the corporate setting and no one really knew what to do so I think there was this period of time where everyone was kind of in limbo and just holding their breath and then after that initial shock all of the meetings and zoom calls that I would be a part of they were essentially it wasn't about work anymore it was how's everybody coping with this how are you feeling and so it completely took out this you know career driven let's focus let's get work done we have stuff to do it was like What's going on with you internally? And so I started to see an addition of 
things that weren't ever there before. So we were having Zoom calls to meditate. We mm. were having Zoom calls scheduled for wellness. We were having Zoom calls to like have happy hour and and hang out with each other. And so we were finding different ways to kind of cope and deal. And then it really blew the lid off when it came to mental health because as the pandemic prolonged and people got more comfortable with the flexibility of, wow, I can work from home, have my kids here, and still get paid, and I'm still productive at getting my work done. So when things started to try to go back to normal and we want you to return back to the office, people are like, the hell with that. I don't want to do that. Mm. And I've also proven and shown that I can still be effective, if not more effective, without that dynamic. And so there were people who... Definitely got lazy and we're the latter, you know what I mean, where they may need that structure in order to be productive. But a lot of people, it opened up the flexibility. And personally, I speak for myself when I say I was so used to picking up and going and being caught up in that rat race that I didn't even realize how toxic that was on my mental. Mm. And then when the pandemic happened and... It forced us to finally slow down. We didn't have a choice but to slow down. And it was in that moment where I realized, I don't think I want to return back to that toxic environment. And I really. You're talking about the office or the job in itself? Just corporate America. Corporate America. Because now you're not a part of corporate America, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's scary. It's scary because you're so used to that, and, and, and it provides you a safety net. You know if you right. go to work and show up, you're going to get a paycheck and be able to take care of X, that, Y, and Z. That That's one thing I can say. Working in, in corporate settings, um, you I was going to get paid yeah. every two weeks. But that safety net yeah. doesn't equate being happily mentally. So I was at a point where I was at the highest I had ever been in my career. I was making the most amount of money I'd ever made in my career. I was in a culture that appeared to be very flexible and open and diverse. And I was in the worst and most miserable mental state I had ever been in in my life. Mm. So that forced me to break down what I thought would give me happiness and really start to do some digging to figure out What is really going to make you happy? And how do you figure that out? And and what came out of that is it's not about things. It's not about security. It's not about a paycheck or money or being able to financially take care of yourself. The bottom line is you just want to be happy. Well, I think I think the bottom line is you want to feel better. Now, happy is one of the words that you want to use to describe feeling better. But. You want to feel better. You want autonomy, and you want certainty. That's that's the, what's really what it is. Is is certainty? Sure. That's where really what we're trying to get at these jobs is a certain level of certainty. But it comes at a price too, like yeah. you said. You know, um, if you if you work at a if you work in one of these type of big corporate, because when these things get so big, oh yeah, it is just you're it is number. what it is. Yeah, you're yeah. you're you're a, you're a machine. Right. I mean, I think small business, small businesses working for small businesses have their um their issues too, mainly financial, mm-hmm. um because a lot of especially black owned small businesses because we're severely underfunded. Absolutely. Like I see um and we can go here. Okay. Because I, I, I see um 
I see people in other cultures, mainly white culture, get investments in some garbage. Mm -hmm. Like what? Yeah. You go on Shark Tank and you got you. They gave you investment for that, right? Like that's right. garbage, right? Like I've been in the I've been in the the world of raising money and the venture capitalists and all that stuff, and they'll invest money and stuff. Let's go there with um Elizabeth Holmes, okay? Uh, who who basically her company Theranos. I think I can't remember the valuation. I should pull up the valuation on this company. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so give man. me some background on the company while you're looking that up. So she she basically created this. Um, it was supposed to be a device, right? That was supposed okay. to be able to take uh, take your blood, okay. right? Um, and then take your blood and and dang, I ain't noticed. This messed up. What? She's Tell an Aquarius. Me. Oh man, man. it's February third. Her birthday. No, <laughs> she's too close to no, me, man. That's my it's, birthday. That's your birthday. Yes. I'm February fourth. So like, like, <laughs> nah, she she's messing up. <laughs> Not a good look. So anyway, she was convicted. But anyway, so uh, let me let me pull it up here. Uh, this is a really good story, and it just shows you the discrepancy between white and black, um, mm -hmm. in terms of raising money and even just corporate America. This woman really thought that. Steve Jobs was like a, a a figure she looked up to to the point where she changed her voice. Oh wow! She like like this. Like <laughs> she changed she changed her voice up, man, because she thought f people would like respect her more. Yeah. But when she stopped talking, like yeah, so I'm so we had the uh, the blood transfusion, and and then she then she slipped up one time. She's like, hey, hey guys, and it was like, <laughs> what? like what? Right, right. So uh, so her company. Let me pull it up fully. She she ended up getting uh found guilty of fraud. Uh let me see here. Self made billionaire. Okay, that's what I wanted to look for. Okay. So the 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 valuation that she that she was estimated nine billion dollar valuation. How do, like, nine billion dollar valuation. The 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 um the device that she she said she was that she created, it never even worked. And did anybody even do their due diligence on that end listen <laughs> do, you, do you know she had people like i think like steve wozniak or somebody you know from apple was yeah. on her board like she had she had silicon valley people this is mm. in the company i mean you talking about evaluation at nine yeah. billion valuation not, not evaluation it's called valuation now people always say i got the evaluation or it's a valuation <laughs> not evaluation um and she uh, she was a Stanford dropout. Um, and yeah, she had she had like a like a general on her board. She had all this backing. This reminds me of inventing Anna. She had all this backing, and it was all fraudulent. Okay. And she had raised the amount of money she raised. Obviously, when you got a nine billion dollar valuation, she's raised probably close to a billion dollars and right. and and money. And at that point, you can. <laughs> But again, look, you raise all that money yeah. and you don't even have a working model. The amount of money that she raised is probably more money that black people have ever seen in venture capitalists, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Like in its existence. Right, right. In its entirety. In, in all its of entirety. It. All of it. All of it. Yeah. Black people, we have never raised nine billion dollars i say let's just say it's a billion we've right. never raised a billion dollars in money you just think about if a company wants to raise a, a million dollars mm -hmm. so there her another guy who owned the company called nicoli okay. which was a um 
which was a, a a fusion. What he was using, he was using like a nuclear fusion or some type of fusion, trying to just change the, uh, how we use trucks. Right. They were using a different type of, of source to fuel the trucks. Right. Again, twenty billion dollar valuation or something, all fraudulent. Right, and and that's you know it goes back to my initial statement where I I stated as a person of color. I'm of the belief, like, you really do have to go in the room 10 times better to get, you know what I mean, half the amount of respect. So in in this situation, that probably, a a person of color probably would have never been able to get that far with that at all. They would have broken it down. Somebody at some point would have said, I need proof. I need to see this. I need, like, the data would have, we would have had to come to the table with every T crossed and every I dotted. So, you know, in a situation like that, her T's and I's, they weren't crossed, dotted, anything, and she was still able to take off. So you see those disparities and things like that all the time. Let me show you this. Net income for Nikolai Corporation, negative $397 million. Total assets, a billion dollar in assets, supposedly, right? Revenue for December 2020, whole year, $95,000. Like, just, I mean, you look at those numbers on paper and it's, you can call the, call the bluff immediately. I mean, you see that on paper. So it's like, who, who was approving that or allowing it to get that much traction? How? How to lie your way to 34 billion. So it's like, you know, I think that affects us when we see that, you know, like all that money that's being given to. It's it's like a slap in the face. to, To things. But I always come back to this. That's why we need our own stuff. I was just going to say that. And when you first started to, you know, get into the story, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, of course, we can go down the rabbit hole and talk about, you know, from the beginning of time and how we came into this world, um, you know, having those different systems and structures in place that were meant to diminish our ability to succeed. So Mm -hmm. we can talk about that all day long. But there's also a big component in that where why do we not support one another and have these institutions in place for ourselves to create that type of dynamic? Well, now, now, see, here's the thing. The, 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 The great equalizer is crowdfunding to raise money. Okay. Equity-based crowdfunding, you know, and, and that's something we're probably going to be uh, relaunching at some point. Maybe I got other things on the table before, Come on now. so Come on. before I go that <laughs> route. But but that is something that that helps the community where you don't need to go get a venture capitalist now. Right. You can just go and raise money from ten thousand people. Right. You know, if ten thousand people put up a hundred dollars, oh, like that's that's how we build wealth now. And now they have. They have a. They own a piece of the company. I have investors who are in inception because we've done crowdfunding already. We have mm-hmm. people who are, you know, invested into what we're doing. They maybe put up a hundred dollars, you know, and that's micro amounts of investment. But at the same time, you still can say that you invested into that right. early before we even hit the public. See, when you get hit public, it's typically too late to go. Yeah. I mean, typically when you hit something at public, you can put your money into it and definitely make more money, but. When you got into it before it even hit public, mm-hmm. that's really when you made 
the money. Right. You know, if Uber came to you just like they went to Beyonce, like, hey, we want you to perform at Coachella and we're going to give you this amount of money in shares, like six million dollars in shares. Well, by the time Uber goes public, those six million dollars in shares is probably worth 60 million dollars. Right. Right. You know, so thinking about it like that and working with each other like that. But another problem for us is that we don't have just yet. We don't have the mental capacity to even get to that point. Mm. To even, and I talked to I talked to multiple people, black owned uh, crowdfunding sites where you know we're still like we hyped up and excited. I'm a CEO, like uh, my LLC, and it's right. like, and it's like, yo, but that's a shell. Yeah, it, it is yeah, nothing we, yet. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about that yesterday, where it's just like. Uh, just like you mentioned, like I, I can go out and get an LLC and now I'm walking around and touting myself like this big bolsterous CEO, <laughs> right. but I still haven't t- t- taken the time to even put the work in yet to get to a level that is truly successful. And so I think that's where we sell ourselves short because so much of our dynamic has been not being able to have these opportunities that the minute we get them, we feel validated and forget that there's still additional work that has to be put in yeah. to get to that point. And prime example, you know, no shade on my city. I love my city. But what I've seen a lot in my city recently is people have started businesses and the concepts and ideas are phenomenal. As soon as they start to pick up speed and they're getting butts in the seats and they're starting to make a little bit of money, what's the first thing they do? They go buy stuff. They go buy the flashy car. They are starting to change who they date and and spend money on their appearance. And it's like your business is only a, a year or a couple years in. You're not at that point where it makes sense to start splurging Put the work in and get to a point where you're making money in your sleep. Then it makes sense. So we're 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 doing ourselves an injustice by not being willing to put that work in, you know, and 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 invest in something that's more concrete. It's kind of like these fly by night things, and we put some a little bit of energy and effort into it, and then we're on the the, the next cool thing or the, or the yeah, next wave. Well, well that, that goes back down to that, those mental health issues and, and the programming yeah. that needs to take place because we, and it's not just for black people, it's in people in general, is that uh, we don't know how to delay gratification. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to get these things so that that dopamine and that, that, that makes us feel better. Oh, I, oh, I got my LLC, but, but so what? I want to opened up like 10 LLCs in the right. last like five, six years, you know, like they're, they're $50, they're, you know, and then people, I got my LLC, but you ain't even go get an EIN number or like Randy was saying on the other episodes yeah. like you ain't even uh you paid somebody all this money to go do right. it you don't you have do something the, you could have done your own the yourself. real you know what I found the weird the real benefit of actually coming from a corporate setting and then opening your own thing is that one if you're in a corporate setting that's that's your learning ground mm-hmm. that's the ground you can see everything that these corporations is doing and you can come out here and start your business and 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 learn I mean, not learn, but take what you've learned from there and apply it. Right. And take, and when I mean learn, I don't mean learn just because you learn how to do Excel or, or, uh, you, maybe you were helping manage the books or whatever. I'm talking about learn and learning how they're doing their things in the wrong way too and how you don't want to duplicate that. I saw how they treated me as an employee and us as employees. I was like, yo, 
when I worked at Kaplan University, I used to tell people, I said, you notice, I said, look, because, you know, South Florida is mainly Caribbeans and South Americans. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look at us all on here on this uh, this second floor. I said, Would you, this second floor, I guess, guess who above us? They're the executive. I said, this, this, we cotton picking. Right. This is new age cotton picking yeah. right here. I look all around on the second floor. There's all these black faces. You go to the, the third or fourth floor, floors upward, mm-hmm. executives, totally yeah. different. Right? C-suite is a totally different dynamic. And that's one of the things that I used to have to address when I was running a diversity program for one of the companies that I work for is how can we tout ourselves on being diverse or having diversity when you look at our executive team and there's no diversity. And Mm. then we also have to take ourselves out of the mindset of let's just do things to get to a certain number so we can say, oh, we have X amount of minorities or X amount of women. No, it's not about the numbers looking good on paper. It's about having an open environment so that there's diversity of thought. And it's about are you – uh, advertising in a way that is reaching a broader audience than than what you're used to. No, they aren't. And yeah. and and why why would they? Yeah, I mean, I'm I just mean, playing be- yeah. devil's advocate. If I'm in their position, why would I go through all that? Right. And, and I'm that only go- I'm only going. I own a company. I'm not going to do nothing unless you try to make me do it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm. Not- this is how I'm going to run my company. Unless the government say I got to come in and do it differently, this is how I'm going to run my company. And that's yeah. everybody who has companies. Yeah, and and and, <laughs> and you see you see that you know uh, time and time again where uh, companies you where they're like, if it's not broke, I'm not going to fix it. Yeah, you know. So they're like, I will continue to operate in this way. But one of the things that I learned is these younger generations partially my generation and the generations that are coming after me, they are no longer okay with that. Mm-hmm. They are, there's no like, oh, this is working or, or I'm, I'm loyal to, to this company because I, I like them or I, I like the shoe. They're going with what they feel and, and, and what they feel is right, you know? Mm. And so we are kind of seeing a, a dynamic and a change where people are starting to question and then also, you know, form alliances with places that are more open and embracing that. I think it's important now to really, you know, uh, get upward and mobile in terms of um, you're from Cleveland. I'm in Detroit, you know, mm-hmm. but well, Michigan, but you're going to do stuff with Inception and um, it crosses borders. Yeah. You know, like you now can work with people all around the world. Stuff, passion projects, projects that you enjoy, companies right. that you enjoy, companies that have missions that you want to support and that you want to see come to f- fruition, you know, and yeah. it typically it was never like that. I mean, we're from we're from the Midwest and the Midwest was built upon blue collar, blue collar and, yeah. and cars, right? Cars, industrial yeah. factory. Yeah. Right. You going in here and. You know, you're gonna be on the line or whatever, and you're gonna do like this and do like this and do yeah. like it's like it's like you the Jetsons, you're hitting the button, and that's what that's how it's gonna be. But now, with the internet, with social, now moving into Web 3.0, everything's gonna become even more decentralized. People, people gonna be making money in a lot of different ways. Uh, one of our engineers, DT, he, you know, he got a, a app that just you can wrap your car. You know, they pay yeah. you just to wrap your car. Right. 
Like, so doing something you do on a day-to-day basis, drive and just make money wrapping your car, you know, or Uber or Lyft or whatever it is, all these different ways to make money. And a lot of people are not going to go and work in traditional settings because you get to kind of keep your freedom. So let's talk about, let's transition into entrepreneurship and freedom because Mm -hmm. we talked about this yesterday and even talked about uh, social media and influencers and you know what that looks like. So <laughs> now it. you're trying to navigate into the entrepreneurial world, and uh, how is that transition? Thinking and just even thinking about it. Maybe not you didn't even start anything, yeah. but just even thinking about it. What's that feel like? So it has been. It's insane um, because you know when you take that step to become an entrepreneur, it's scary. Uh, it's nerve wracking, but you do have that sense of gratitude and freedom. And I was just of the belief I'm already stressed out. So if I'm going to be stressed out, I'd rather it be for, for me, me. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And what I'm working on mm-hmm. than for something else. But I've also learned that everything isn't always what it seems. And so you really have to be cognizant of not only making a decision, but making an educated decision and looking at things from a lot of different perspectives so that you can have the knowledge that you need to go in whatever direction you want to go. So prime example, pandemic hits. This is during the time I, I lost my job. And I'm like, this is the perfect time to be a social media influencer. And of course, my entire life, everybody's like, you got the look. You have this look and this personality. And so I started to do some digging and really look into it. And I've never been that prideful person where, you know, it's fun for me to be like, hey, guys, welcome back to my channel. And and this is what I got from from Target today. Like, it's, I've been more like I like to capture the experience in the moment than to just throw my face in front of everything. And so I started to look into more with the social media and I found that a lot of women who or just influencers in general, they uh, were they had all these different accolades and, and these different connections and these brand endorsements. And it looks so promising. So you're looking at, oh, my gosh, she's sponsored by Fashion Nova. But then I'm looking deeper and I'm like, but wait a minute, she's in a, a Bentley and on private jets. Fashion Nova endorsements paying that much money? Like mm. since when? And then I uncovered a, a, a veil. One of my friends came to me. And was like, yo, you know, a lot, not all, of course. So let me, you know, just have a caveat. There's definitely people who are doing it the right way and they put the work in. Mm -hmm. Or they just stumbled upon a situation where they could collaborate and it really took them to the next level. So this is not to discredit any of the people who have really put the work in because they do. Mm -hmm. But there was this veil that was uncovered of, you know, women were going overseas and, you know, making their money that way. Well, <laughs> making the money that way was it, <laughs> and then coming back going? into into the states. Oh yeah, they were they were going and they're like prostitutes. They're yeah. prostituting. So, yeah, and they, so, yeah, going over to like Dubai. I heard the stories like that. I heard I've heard stories. Mm. Next, you know, you know, having sex with animals and animals, all types, all of, types stuff. of crazy stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. but of course, you know, now first things first. That's their business. But yeah. as somebody on the outside looking in, you see this lifestyle that they have, and they're portraying themselves as an influencer and so you're equating them being an influencer and them having these different endorsements to that could equate to this lifestyle and this money not having all the pieces and so once I realized that it really just showed me we spend a lot of time showing the very best version of ourselves to the public 
we do it every day when we get dressed mm. and, 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 and leave outside. That's what we've been conditioned to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you can't take that as just face value because behind the scenes, you have no idea what other factors went into them being successful and you don't see the downfalls. You know, mm. you see me on social media when I'm happy and I'm smiling and I'm feeling myself and I'm cute. You're not seeing me when I was depressed and in my closet crying and mm. going through trauma because I didn't feel comfortable putting that out there. I, w- I will say this, that, and Gary V talks a lot about this too. Like what, what social did was it turned entrepreneurship as some type of, uh, Glamour. Fantasy. Yeah, and, and it's this glamorous yeah. thing. And it is not it is not glamorous. It is not fantasy. All. And it's a lot of and what you find in that world, there's bad actors in in all sectors, from politics to to to, to uh spiritual organizations mm-hmm. to, to you know, all of them. Wellness, it's bad actors in all of them. So there's always smoke and mirrors right. that take place and you have to be able to and that's why I always talk about being able to do that mental emotional work and 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 filling yourself up with things that um um just be full of spirit so that one when you when you out here working these jobs or working in these corporations like that's not who you are right that's just a job right that's just a thing it's a means to it's a means an to end. an end right yep. it, you know so uh but and two, so you, the reason why I say that too is so then you won't get head knocked with the, with the facades right. of what you think is. It's the Wizard of Oz. It's the man behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, there, there always been people who sell, uh, marketing programs or, um, how to make money. See, how to to make money has always been, to me, it's always been the slimiest thing yeah, ever. It's because BS. guess what? Guess what? Everybody wants to know how to make money because everybody believes that if I just made more money, then my life is going to be, be better. better. Mm-hmm. Right? So then you, listen, if I made a lot of money and I make a course on to how to make money, first of all, if I've made a lot of money, I am not making a course on how to make a lot of money. You on the island, which is yeah, yeah. I'm not Relaxing. making a course on how to make money. Yeah. Then you go find out that they made all of their money teaching you how to make money. Yeah, but they never made the money outside of teaching you how to yes. make money. Best example ever. <laughs> you know. Oh, and I get frustrated. This happened to me years ago, but I'm like frustrated right now thinking about it. I read that Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, which Mm -hmm. was a phenomenal book. And it's not to discredit the book, anything like that. Uh, And they had a seminar. And the seminar was being promoted, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I thought... You thought Robert Kiyosaki was going to show up? Look, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So look, Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I've read the book. I go to the the event. It's at a hotel. Mm. I get in there and it was the most cult-like thing ever where they are like, look at all these amazing people. We're going to bring them up. They're going to give their testimony on how much money they were able to make in real estate. And they're doing all these great things. Our course will train you and teach you all of these things. And at the end of it, it was, we want you to pay us this large Mm. sum of money to get this knowledge. And I'm thinking to myself, it's not like they're offering something cutting edge to where you can't get this knowledge. These are the same principles and things that you can literally look up on Google. So you mean to tell me these people 
are looking to get income and they're going to spend, and it was a big amount. It was yeah. like 800 to $1,000. Mm-hmm. 800 to $1,000 for you to tell them what they need. It was just complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. And there's a lot, there is a lot of that out there. I will say that obviously we're on Earn Your Leisure's uh, network, and I would say Troy and Rashad and um, um, Ian, like they put out a lot of sensical information mm-hmm. every week and it's free right then they have their if you want to go deeper they have their you know a uh, deeper element that's paid right right but they're not they're not selling you something it's that not they're, a cash grab that they're not doing right right first of all that they're not doing themselves so they're coming in like this i'm gonna hold your hand yeah and help you to do this and you're gonna with this group we're all gonna do it even my guy uh julian gordon who has the uh multi-family uh where he teaches you how to buy multi-family homes Mm -hmm. he don't just teach he teaching you step by step to the point where the people who come in who follow those steps then they show i got my house right like they they showing you right and they're not charging you some you know astronomical amount of money to do these things but that's been one of the biggest slimiest things in entrepreneurship and a lot of people fall for that you know a lot of people fall for the um let me just show you how to get all these hundreds of thousands of followers of instagram too Mm -hmm. a lot of them are bought a lot of them aren't even yours and too when you when you do that when you bought followers i I really just, don't even you, mess with you. You diminish your entire yeah. brand and, and, and it being something that's genuine. Yeah. So, yeah, you see that all the time. And just like you were saying, there are certain things that have to come with the price. You know what I mean? Like, for example, you go to you go to college to become a surgeon. You have to pay to get that knowledge mm. to know how to cut, how to do this, how to do right. that. You know, right. you can't just Google how to perform brain surgery. So there right. is a price. But like you said, the market is so oversaturated with the fluff and with the scams that it's so easy to get caught up in paying for something that really they're not giving you anything that they said they would. And they're not really helping you move the needle along like they said. Mm-hmm. And and that's again, that's that thing when you like you gotta be able to smell a scam. Oh yeah. You gotta be able to smell fraud. But it's hard because I will say Is it? Well Is it? We talked about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. The fraud industry just in the Nigerian uh the Nigerian is like mm-hmm. a billion dollar industry. Is is it? Or you just want to be You wanna believe it you so want bad to believe because it, yeah. everybody wants that like that overnight miracle. So, because mm, you want to be saved, right? In the back of your head, you know mm, it don't seem right, but you're like you you're holding on to that little bit of hope. Well, well you ever heard like that? Gambling. You, the, you ever the, heard the that? If it seems too good to be true, <laughs> it typically probably, is. Yeah, I have a great example, and this will uh, really, really. <laughs> uh, so I had a situation. I'm just laughing to myself because I cannot believe I have the balls to just come out and and talk about this. But I had a situation where I had met this this guy and he was presenting himself to be a professional football player (laughs) okay and when he met me he was immediately it was like the gaslighting and love bombing Mm. so you've met those people where like Mm. immediately they're like overly 
doing everything right. So we're like, wait a minute, like you gassing me up. So he came into the situation like, what car are you want? Let's go. Let's go online right now and pick out a car. Let's go on Icebox right now and pick out a watch. And you know, I. I've gotten everything off the mud on my own. I've hustled and grinded for everything I got. So this was the first time in my life that a man was like, let me just take care of all of these different things. So as I'm going along, of course, my radar is so up like this is complete bullshit and you know it. And I found myself still like, all right, let me get on this. What? And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, you know, this is not real but you want to believe it so bad or you're so excited about the opportunity for something like that that you are just ready just to to just jump ship and it really taught me a valuable lesson about myself too because I got so caught up in social media and seeing you know, you see these celebrities and they buy their significant other these lavish gifts and all these exciting things. And you want that for yourself. And I had to take a, a step back and say, why are you wanting that for yourself? You've worked hard for everything that you have. And so you really are going to allow a stranger that you haven't taken the time to know, that hasn't taken the time to get to know you, just come into the picture and just start throwing some materialistic things and you just you on board with that you are believing that and it didn't get but so far but it really i had to take a look at myself like come on now you better than that and you know Mm. you better than that Mm. so it was it was a it was a it was a moment with uh you know do you find that um being a woman um and trying to navigate entrepreneurship you know or even uh, being from the corporate world and and the new age dating and how like well listen if you pretty you just got to get cashed out okay you just supposed to get cashed out yeah. and flew out <laughs> right and the, I talk I I deal with it all the time so I love to travel you look at my social media and everything mm, like yeah, that. yeah every time I see I'm like girl where you <laughs> where are you where, at where, where, do, where do, you do you work first where of do all because you, you tell me you. <laughs> Tommy, you, you right. ain't got no job, Tommy, oh. but you flying everywhere. Wow. So so that is just so true because e- even with what I'm going through recently, you know, my friends know that I, you know, um, got let, let go from my, from my job and all these life things were happening, but they don't realize behind the scenes I've invested in certain things. I've mm. made certain business moves. I've saved money and, and put aside a nest egg so that I can continue to um, – you know, keep myself afloat. But people see me and they just assume you're pretty. You, it must be some guy behind the scenes that's paying for this. That you, you that somebody is icing you out mm. or doing this. And I'm like, listen, if if I had somebody that was doing it, I had no problem in in owning that or even saying, yeah, that's 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 where it came from and touting that. But they don't see the seven years that I really put the work in and that I was in a corporate setting and I was really grinding it out. And then also. A lot of these opportunities, sometimes I will just go out on a limb just for the exposure or to meet new people and for the connection. So it's not always a kick it. So you might see me traveling and doing all these different things and just assume, oh, you somewhere kicking it or some guy. And it's really like, no, I needed a break from my environment. Mm. And I'm going here to have a new experience to be exposed to something different that can open the door up to something else. So there is so much of that in our society. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like trying to weed through the the, the facades of, um, 
and trying to fit yourself in a world that really, specifically as a black woman or mm-hmm. a black man, trying to fit into a world that was never even truly crafted for you. And there's a lot of uh, wolves and sheep clothing. I mean, this is biblical yeah. statements. You know, this thing is not new. Being fooled has always been a thing. It's a part of the game. You know, it's a part of the game. And as you start to, you know, if you want to really, for me, how I've, how I've been able to navigate the, the the business world by myself now, um, not by myself, but I mean obviously myself is again back down to that thing like knowing what I really, really, really want, and um, not not sacrificing or not sacrificing, but not giving into it in terms of um, selling myself out for something because right. that because that's all you yeah. talked about you just really selling yourself out that's not what you really want you want the outcome but you're gonna right. sell yourself out because to you want get, the outcome yeah. so really it's about you know getting finding what you really want understanding is not going to be easy that that is a that is a journey there will be there will be lots of nights and days where you don't want to do what you're going to do you have to keep and pushing you, you got to keep going for it was cold coming into to here today yeah. stopping to get gas to gas i was like what the hell it's like five degrees my hands are freezing, freezing yeah. but we we gonna come and we gonna keep it moving and get the podcast done and, and you know and you can't take shortcuts either we get excited about thing. those shortcuts yeah but they don't always long term help you in that journey at no. all no no they they don't help you they actually they they, they, they hurt, hurt you, you more than anything because you weren't able to actually get the lesson that you needed to learn so now you're going to come back and have to do it all over again. Mm-hmm. So when a thing comes to you that looks right, but you know it's not right and it's wrong, it's better to just move on from it from the get-go. And time will tell you everything. Till next time, guys. You've been listening to the In The Wealth Podcast on EYL. Theme song produced by Be Ready for West Coast Creations. I am Raz Cast, reminding you to take action, be proactive, be congruent, get out of the matrix, get your mind right. We've automated mental health at inception. Join the movement. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.